Welcome to Shine Me A Light Podcasts. In this series, The Last 27 Years, we go through in each episode the last 27 years in the lives of one student from Class 95, Sydney Girls High, and this episode is Heather Clement. Whatever, 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 whatever. So pretty much we're going to do the whole thing again. Okay. You must. I, I wish I had listened. No, actually, I'm glad I haven't listened to Grace's because I think it's better not hearing possibly, them beforehand. Possibly, although uh, it was a fabulous pilot yeah. because um, her life has been so I- interesting. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah. Were you there in '95? Okay. Yes, I was there in '95. I sat my HSC. No. Didn't we all? Um, no, I suppose. Oh yeah, no. Some some yep. had left beforehand. Um, yeah, no, I sat my HSE and then went off to uh, Byron Bay Festival and we all got our results up, up there after, oh, I think it was Dashani and Zoe had gone off to, um, maybe Ryong had gone to um, Mulaney Festival beforehand and I caught up with them uh, and Verity was there. I, I caught up at um, Byron Bay and we got our results on the phone and... Yeah, I think I'd already decided I was going to Wollongong. Yeah, you, you know, had to wait following... till January to get your result. I know. Yeah, and we were all queued up at the public oh. phone to go and ring at home and get so our results. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> I have a photo from when I was in the states at Christmas, and all my flatmates queued up at the um, at the public I phone. I love that they reinstalled them to... recently in Australia. You know, for completely different reasons, but like, yeah. it's just amazing to see them. So yeah. I haven't seen you for so long. I always feel like using it just for you know. <laughs> well, now yeah. it's free. It's, you can use them for free. No, now you start well, like awesome. asking people That's on the street, cool. "Do you have forty cents?" I just really didn't make a phone call. Well, I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. So you knew you were going to Wollongong yeah. and you did engineering. Yeah. Engineering, engineering like from Mr. Yeah. Morris. <laughs> like the careers advisor. <laughs> Mr. Morris. <laughs> yeah. One of the few yep. people who actually did it. Um, yeah. And it was great. I went down to Wollongong. I got a scholarship down there and it was so nice to get out of Sydney. I just, um, I was, I was ready to run away from Sydney. I, well, I'd already run away and had my year in France and wanted to escape, uh, everyone and everything in Sydney. I don't want to lose that from this podcast. Cause that was such a big change in your life. And yeah, you know. Yes. So go back over that for me. Falling in yeah, love with the exchange student. <laughs> so in year not no, must have been uh beginning of yeah, no, halfway through year nine, Dennis Duny came to our family as the exchange student. I remember going to a AFS information evening down in Coogee Bay and um, saying to my to my mum who was there with me, "Hey, that that French boy, he needs a family. Could we host him?" <laughs> I kind of thought he was kind of cute. <laughs> Not for that reason. <laughs> No, 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 no. I wanted to learn French. I wanted to go on exchange. My brother had gone to Germany. And so, yeah, anyway. So he came back to our house and uh, it wasn't very long before um, I quite fancied him <laughs> and something happened between us. My parents oh. were away. Oh, that was so embarrassing how they found out. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, and then um, I won't tell that story now because that's yeah. just way too embarrassing. And then um, went to, so he went back to France and I, um, hang on, my my Fitbit's going crazy. Um, he went back to France and I was devastated, just bawling my eyes out. And um, I wanted to go on exchange and I contacted AFS and they said, yes, you can go to Jamaica. Oh, and I went, yeah, that's you know. not <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And and so I sold the whole idea to my parents that I was going to learn French and I'd been to international grammar, yeah. so it was all sort of in keeping with that. And so, yes, it was an exchange <laughs> where I just went and lived with Denis and yeah. his alcoholic mother. Um, and that was, that was pretty full on. And it was a good time. I think 
um, Sydney girls year nine, 10 was pretty vicious in terms of the cliques and the bitchiness yeah. between everybody. And so it was actually a really good time to yep. escape that. People were at such um, different stages. And I went to France. They? Like I remember, you know, just yes. of development and growing up. And- yeah. Yeah, and it was just uh, it was just tricky. And anyway, it was great to go then, and I was madly in love anyway. And so it was perfect time to to go and spend the year with him. But I went from a really caring, yep. supportive family to living with him and his alcoholic mum, who couldn't. Uh, I just yeah, was a shock to the existed. system. He was doing the equivalent of his Don't HSC. All yeah, like my and, <laughs> yeah, and I like. So how do we get dinner? Oh, well, you cook it if you want it. You can go out and buy it. It's like, oh, okay. What about washing and cleaning? Well, you do it. I was like, yeah. oh, okay. So it was a real sort of awakening for me. Um, but I learned how to speak French. I learned how to smoke <laughs> cigarettes, how to drink alcohol. <laughs> um, yep, how to play yeah. pinball in a cafe. Um, and, yeah, I had, a, had an amazing time. It was probably the hardest year of my life and I I halfway through I probably if somebody had said you've got an option of going home I probably yeah. would have taken it um but I don't regret doing it my daughter's now just slightly older than I was then and at the time thinking oh my goodness could she could I let her do that uh, and my parents didn't have a choice they, they, uh, they really made the they only know? choice that they could Yes, they knew that I was madly in love. Did they with know him. the reality and they knew... of what you were experiencing? No, no. So I even went over to uh, while I was there. I did this program on um, learning how to film and um, like TV production stuff. We went to um, Mali in Africa to um, record a documentary on the Sahara, and there were a group of us. It was age sixteen to twenty-one. I was the only sixteen-year-old, um, and we went there and. We all we had this welcome banquet and all ate the food and I got ridiculously sick. We all got sick, but there were two of us who didn't get sick straight away and nursed everybody else. And then both of us ended up getting wow. so sick. So uh, I ended up uh, totally delirious, taken to hospital. Uh, it was only when I got back to France two weeks later that I weighed myself and I was seven kilos less oh. than when I left. So and that's even putting weight back on. So I don't know how much weight I lost in those two days. Scary. I just was so sick, but. Um, they said, should we call your parents? And I couldn't imagine in this day and age not informing a 16-year-old's parents that they're in hospital yeah. in Africa. But yeah. I didn't. I said, no, don't tell them. I'm okay and I will get make it back to France. They were talking about medivacking me out of there. I said, no, I'll be fine. I'll come too. And I'll, I'll, like, and so when I was in my lucid moment, said, no, don't tell them, no. We and they took, we I can't so believe mature. that they let me do like, that. I relate to that so much. I would, I, I would have said the same thing. Don't call my parents. I've got this. I'm fine, you know. Yeah. So my daughter brought home a a, uh, a boy on Saturday night who was so paralytic oh. drunk and we couldn't rouse him at all. And I'm thinking that at 16, that was me. And if this kid, we ended up, uh, he's, they're like, don't call his parents. I'm like, I'm sorry, yeah, but we've got to call his parents. He's, he needs to go to hospital. He he needs his stomach pumped. Yeah. He, we cannot rouse him. So anyway, <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I, it was a totally different time. I spoke to my parents once a month. So they yeah. really didn't know everything that was going on. Um, and, and I think, I I just it's I can't imagine it from their side now having a 16 year old daughter now going uh, yeah it's just um it's different anyway so she's she's all into air cadets and going off and doing crazy (laughs) things anyway so maybe maybe their history is repeating itself to a certain extent (laughs) you'll be fearful of yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. Well, she just did bring home a boy ridiculously. Although it wasn't her. The good news is it wasn't her. Yes, except that she was the one who bought the rice wine (laughs) that they bought from IGA to get drunk on. (laughs) Anyway. Um, Yeah. So, anyway. So, I went to France. um, Had this amazing year. Um, stayed with Denis on and off till I was 21. So seven years we were together on and off, but it was just, it was a very passionate, intense relationship, but 
yeah too young and just impossible to keep yeah. going and I was never it was never well maybe it could have lasted but anyway it was all very Finding emotional and important yes yes and I, I I had so many other things I wanted to do yeah. in life and um like yeah. engineering so, engineering <laughs> yeah so uh, that's what I went and did I did environmental engineering thinking yes I'm going to be the eco warrior and I liked maths and science and did engineering um <laughs> spoiler alert I'm no longer an engineer <laughs> <laughs> well, I hated math and no, science, I, and I'm a math and science tutor. So you know, you just never know. Yes. Okay, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, but I hated a job as I hated working in consulting engineering. I had um, when I started uh, at a very um, well-known, prestigious uh, engineering firm in Sydney. Um, I was made to feel like I was a piece of dirt, um, and just destroyed my self-esteem and my confidence and took me years to recover from do you think that was because of your greenness or because of your femaleness or a combination um I think it was because I was academically bright um but did not have general knowledge of how to work in situations didn't have resilience I'd never failed at anything I'd never failed at at school I'd never failed um at exams at university and I just didn't have real world experience and then when I was a part of it is so a lot of it's me and part of it was that I was set up to fail by there were there were two blokes there who didn't have degrees, who wanted to make it in their in their yeah. careers, and they just made me feel like shit and told me how yeah. shit I was. Um, and I just, I, I just it's like a psychological and warfare, I was, isn't it? I mean, they, they talk about it in sport. You know, yeah. if you can psychologically defeat your opponent, you can win. You know, even if you're the you know worst player. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I had no idea what I was doing. I was working in I was working as a building services engineer and I'd done environmental engineering, which were totally unrelated yeah. fields. So I didn't know at all what I was yeah. doing. And um and I was too scared to ask. You needed I a mentor. I should have known. Yes, and I should have known. I thought I should have known how to do stuff. And and I didn't. Yeah. And I should have learnt, known how to ask and um and then I ended up going. So I joined uh, on this company with a um, with a fellowship um, to go to for training to London. And so after I finally sort of got over my mini breakdown and taking three months off to recover, and went back to work for them, and then went to yeah. the UK and had an amazing time there. Worked on some amazing projects, um, but. Yeah, I, I got told that I came with a warning after after I, like my reputation went before me as having had a breakdown. I'm like, that's fucked. Sorry, but like no. that's just not right. I so relate to that. Um, like that just expectation that you will be consistently, you know. Mm. It's 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 not human. It's robotic, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I had I. Um, I was a damn good engineer yep. and I was very capable of doing stuff. I believe you. Um, and I did. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm bigging myself up now. But, yeah, I. but then I, I came back to the same company in Sydney and thinking that it, oh, it's got to be changed, got to be yep. different. Came back, nope, it's exactly oh, the same. And I've spoken to other people who've worked there as well and they said, nope, it's just a bunch of arrogant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Big real. laughs> and they're still there. You're not naming the company, so it's all good yeah (laughs) yeah um yeah so I um yeah I I left engineering in the end um and I became a handywoman Uh, so I went back and did a master's of economics and finance and worked in corporate sustainability and felt I was selling my soul to the devil even more (laughs) I'm yes And I've heard different sides of the corporate social responsibility while doing these podcasts, which has been really interesting, you know, Um, because like I've only ever experienced it doing it in the MBA, you know, and just learning about it, you know. Yep. And what we were told is, you know, it's greenwashing, it's what it's, you know, it's it's BS, it's, you know, companies are just doing it these days, you know, it's no heart and soul to it, you know, and I heard that from people who've worked in it and I've heard that, and then I've heard it from somebody who's worked in it and found it really rewarding. So that was interesting, you know, because I, I guess like anything, yeah. there's, there's the different different perspectives. 
I think I think if you come at it from a um, maybe also the the era that I was doing it was a little yep. too soon. Um, and it all depends on how much actual backing. If you are just there to, as a, to fill a tick, Token, tick yeah. box, yes, we have somebody doing corporate sustainability, great. Um, or if you actually are making a difference and doing stuff, then it's then it can be really yeah. rewarding. Um, I had taken over the job uh, from somebody else who had actually had a really good experience of it and had set up some really good programs. But by the time I was doing it, it was much more of just keeping those going and, and treading water. And the company was um, didn't have the finances or the or the support to back it properly. And the board was kind of like, oh, really, do we need to keep on doing this? Um, and then it really, I did feel like I was just a bum on a seat to say, yes, we're yeah. doing this. Um, and I was, uh, I was very happy to be made redundant <laughs> and, and get out of there. <laughs> my spirit back um I remember seeing something online about you doing environmental planning masters or something like that yeah no it was it was um a a master's of commerce but I've majored in economics and finance and to do sort of environmental economics so that's where I got into corporate sustainability and from from, um but yeah but it was more just the interest of I loved the um economics uh, so I just for interest yeah. sake, but it was a bit no, silly. You, you love math <laughs> bit of a waste of money. I've never really used sense. it. <laughs> I, yeah, I remember when yeah. I was studying, um, I can't remember if it was, I think it was finance actually, but I was ringing my lecturer because I had this assignment that was like way too late and I'd be like, I'd be work all day and I'd be like, I've got it. And be like, no, you don't. And I'd work the whole next day and I'd go, no, I figured it out now. And he's like, no, you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> after three days he goes all right I'm gonna help you because otherwise you're not gonna make the deadline <laughs> I just oh my loved, god yeah and just wasn't my natural forte so I think the best thing I have to offer as a tutor of maths is if I can learn it anyone can <laughs> learn it <laughs> I I tutored I tutored maths in um when I was in the states uh, I was doing an exchange with uni in the states and I was tutoring maths but I um when I was over there, the Australian dollar halved in value. So I'd saved all my money, but I'd left it in a bank account in Australia and was just pulling it out as I needed it. And then I saw it was the dollar was falling. I'm like, oh, well, it's fallen a lot. It's going to stop. Eventually, I, so I didn't take any money out. And then I just saw my pot of money halve or even less, <laughs> even more than that. Like it was, uh, I got had about 40% of my money left. And I'm like, oh, shit, I can't live for the rest of the year on this. And so I then got special permission to be able to work because I couldn't on my visa, but I managed to get um, authority to work. So I took on this tutoring job, but I was tutoring maths in the year above me. So it was maths I hadn't learned yet and had no idea how to do. So basically my way of tutoring was to sit down with this guy and read it and just try and learn it slightly yes, faster I've than so him. Yes, I've so been there. Like, right? well, I got taught that by a lecturer. Um, she, she was an electrophysiologist and she got hired by the uni yeah. to teach physiology because they couldn't tell the difference. Yeah. Um, and, she, <laughs> and so she said, it didn't matter. I just read the textbook. As long as I was one lesson ahead yeah. or one minute ahead, you know, yeah. that was fine, you know. And yeah. I worked that exactly. way and actually, Yeah, I learned that from her. Yeah, I think I think actually it probably made me a better tutor because I had just worked out how yeah. to work it out myself. And so it's actually once you go through the steps yourself going, okay, this means this, this means – you can pass it on really quickly. And, and by the end, I after the semester, I was like, oh, I really can't do this anymore. This is really hurting my brain. And he's like, no, but you're the best tutor I've ever had. Please go tutor me next year. So, and then I know and sometimes and when I was tutoring for the uni because she would hire me and I had no background in physiology um, and I'd be the tutor <laughs> and I would look, be learning it the night before, you know, and all the pathways and what this yeah. is being broken down to and there's the hypothalamus is going to the you know, adrenaline and all. And then I have to go in the next day and draw the diagram up on the board and explain everything, you know, and yeah. I only just learned it the night before. But I, I just kind of I love that about yeah. teaching in a way. It's it's sort of it's yeah. a part of it. I think it scares students. Like I think, I think if they knew they were yeah. paying five thousand dollars for that, they're like, no, 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 no. But, but um, but yeah, yeah. I I think that's the whole way that tertiary 
education works now. I work at the University of New South Wales now and it's that is the way it works. We are meant to be experts in the field. It just means that we're slightly yep. ahead of or, all the lecturers. I, I don't actually have to teach anything, which is brilliant. But um, And before <laughs> I forget, I want you to, to retell me about the sunroof, the flying carpet, because that was one of your engineering projects. Uh, yes. Yes. So when I worked in London, um, this was a really cool project to work on. It was the Art Institute of Chicago and um, it was being designed by Renzo Piano in Paris. Um, the engineers were in London and the client was in Chicago. So it was lots of um, to, and, to and fro, um, but the best bit was that I lived in London, so I got to go to Paris quite often um, to work on the project. Um, but because I could speak French and had an understanding of the structural engineering as well as the building service engineering, I could go across quite often. And I was cheap. I, I, my hourly rate was lower than anyone else because I was one of the most juniors. So they could send me across to these meetings. Um, and it was really – because – it was a it was like 10 years in design and it still wasn't even getting close to being built it was crazy sort of timeline and the fees were quickly running out anyway um it was really good fun and it mean, meant that i could get my teeth into yeah. it and um so we needed it was going to have even though it was in chicago it was going to have a glass roof on this um uh, art gallery space because the natural light is much better for viewing the yep. paintings but that it can't have any direct light on the painting. So we had to have a shading structure at the top that maximised the amount of sunlight coming through but blocked all direct yeah. sunlight. So it sounds um, impossible it was to all the then, lay person, right? <laughs> well, so it was about sort of imagining geography, uh, ge geometry, yeah. sorry, and the way the sun works and having an egg crate grill and then we were coming up with different designs. And at that stage, computing power was not fast enough to test all these sort of organic design shapes quickly it would run to test a, a design would take run yeah. 24 hours before we'd get an output as to whether it was covered so then we had to go I decided to go backwards and actually do all the um geometry solar geometry and work out what shape what shape it had to cover to block 100% so it was actually quite an organic shape and it um, ended up looking like surfboard fins like a, a, a whole series of uh, tilted uh, panels going north-south with east-west oh, they blocked north-south face and then um, fins that's uh, blocked the east-west I east, wish west there were photos of it during construction well we so we got to build a prototype that was only three by three meters um this gallery space with a series of these fins on the top and that was built in turin in italy and we got to go and have a look to see how it was actually going to feel in the space how the structure above it would look and that was really cool because it was up close because when i've never actually been to chicago i've never seen it but it's actually it's quite a long way from the floor of the gallery to see this flying um, carpet yeah. structure up the top but it was it was very very cool, and it was really cool to be able to come up with this shape, which was very engineering sketch that I sent to the architects, and they came back with a really organic, beautiful shape that covered all the areas that needed to be covered and, and without too much excess, um, and so maximizing the light and blocking all the direct light. It was it was a cool yeah. project, um, and it was something to really get sucked into and do good design, which most. Uh, consulting engineering does not get an opportunity to do that. Most consulting engineering is all time constrained, uh, focused on limiting the amount of time spent on anything and fees spent, and and then it's just lots of fighting in meetings for different things. Meetings. And um, so, yeah, so very very little of it is actually about good design now. I feel in engineering, and that's why I was quite happy to leave. And so, where <laughs> uh, did you go? Well, um, it's funny. So they're always going on about women in engineering. You need to have women in engineering. But then once I took time out to have kids, I had an opportunity to not be in engineering. And I went, oh, this is so much better. <laughs> and I think my, my husband, who's also an engineer, he's, he didn't take that time out. We were at the same point in our careers. But by the time I'd stopped and had two kids. He was way more advanced in his career. There was no way I was ever going to catch up financially. And so it just made sense for me to not 
yeah. do it. And when my son was six months old, Rich, we'd moved back to Australia by this point. We'd lived in Singapore for two and a half years and um, he, Rich is from the UK, so I met him while I was over there and moved back to Australia and he was working in the Gold Coast. I had a two-year-old and a six-month-old and he was working away from Monday to Friday and I went, oh, well, of course, what I'll do then is study full-time. <laughs> So that's when I did my master's, master's with a tiny baby. I so relate. The craziness yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it worked. Um, but, yeah, so then I took time out, went back to corporate sustainability, um, didn't last very long in that, and the redundancy took some time out just thinking about what I wanted to do and realised, actually, I probably should have been a builder rather than an engineer. I, like, I, I much prefer to actually make things and be hands-on than designing it. Oh, I liked the design, but I just – didn't like being at yeah. a computer. So I became a handywoman. Um and I be- I started up Fixie Lady uh and fixed fixed houses in the inner west and loved it. Never made any money, but loved it. <laughs> I relate to that one too. So with this stuff you do at the um, University of New South Wales, tell me about that. Oh yes. So um working as Fixie Lady, moved on, got a, a job um at the makerspace at um well there's several makerspaces at the University of New South Wales but I'm in the design futures lab so I get to use the engineering skills the design skills and the actual practical making stuff uh in helping students in industrial design and architecture and actually any students at uni making stuff whether it be a prototype for a product whether it be an architectural model whether it be fixing their window uh in their rental house that their landlord's refusing to put fly screens on or whatever it's um i it's about teaching um students mostly sort of people in their late teens early 20s how to use a drop saw or a bandsaw or a, a pillar drill and a um, CNC machine, a 3D printer, a laser cutter, yeah. and then oh, and now we're even course. doing yeah. um, recycling what plastic. The heck is that? <laughs> <laughs> We've even got a seven-axis robot now, CNC robot. It's so cool. Um, yeah, it is. I, I now, I'm so glad I didn't just settle in and doing a job that I didn't enjoy. Yeah. I love my job now. Um, I think I love it even more that I only work three days a yeah. week. <laughs> And so I have breathing space yeah. from it. I um, I don't know balance. if uh, if yeah the balance of having kids and um, yeah so family life and career. I think I think uh, I found a good balance, but it's because I'm really really lucky in that financially I can afford to only work three days yeah. a week um, and. Yeah, it's um, – I don't know – I don't think anyone's solved this. I imagine through this podcast you're speaking to lots of us that are at the same situation. I'm probably – my kids are probably older than a lot of the others. Oh, from there's a range. Year. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, so I was told I couldn't have kids. So when um, when Millie was born, uh, when I was 26, it was uh, – oh, sorry – well, I was 28, um, but I was told at 26 I couldn't have kids. So, well, I don't need contraception then. <laughs> and then she came along. It's like, oh, okay, awesome. great. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I, but, it, oh, it's the best thing ever. So I'm now uh, – Ben's 14. By the time I'm um, 50, they will be – well, they're already pretty independent <laughs> – nearly but um yeah just I it was a per- perfect age to have kids I reckon yeah around 20 late late 20s is by the time my kids. daughter is 18 I will be 56 <laughs> and she's already a sasshole <laughs> that's an At awesome five, name <laughs> right by 18 I I think I'm just gonna I'm done with the arguing already. Yeah. I just, I think it's a girl uh, thing. Uh, I, don't, we always, I don't know. No, no, Ben, Ben, who's 14, we said he should have joined the UN because he is the chief negotiator. He gets whatever he wants. Um, <gasps> at, at age two, he would just 
be bargaining. He'd start at this level and we'd bargain down and then go, hang on, why am I even bargaining down on this? Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a no. You can't energy. have the fifth a fifth chocolate biscuit. And they just don't, you know, they're relentless <laughs> and they're so intelligent and they're just. Yeah. Oh, yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. holy crap there's an example of for me definitely of the fantasy versus reality you know and (laughs) I I was so like having kids I was so naive I had never held a baby before Millie was born I'd never had any idea any concept of what was happening I'd read every page of the book of that you've got a peanut now you've got a a walnut now you've got an apple size thing and I and I stopped I stopped at the birth side of things and then birth went fairly easily she was born in Singapore um but they I gave birth and then they said okay well we can't move you up to the ward uh it's under renovation there's no more room I'm like uh yeah okay and they said well and I literally I had arrived at hospital 15 minutes before she was born I was had I had taken my time and oh, it was kind of a crazy birth story. Anyway, <laughs> she was born. I'm sitting there. Um, my We'd had beers and pizza while I was in labor. Um, <laughs> and so my husband's asleep on the bed that I'd just given birth to and I'm sitting up trying to c- cradle her to stop her crying. <laughs> and then they said, no, no, you can't, we can't go to the ward. You can go to the oncology ward. And I'm like, uh, mm. no, nah. nah, I'm not going to the oncology ward. I'll just yeah. go home. We're fine. We'll be fine. So we rock up, we we rock up at home and um, we drive, we're sitting on a balcony, we're in this uh, apartment building in Singapore, which no longer exists as nothing over the age, over 25 years old exists in Singapore. Oh anyway, um, we're on the balcony and our neighbours come out onto the balcony and they're a German young couple who they had seen us at one, two in the morning as we're leaving to go to the hospital. They saw me in labour and they're like, oh, good luck. And then this mo- they'd gone out partying, cut come home and um, gone to sleep and woke up the next morning and we're on the balcony with a tiny baby and they were, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and freaky. Days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was, that was full on. And I had no idea yeah. what I was doing. I had no, yeah. like my parents weren't there, no family. Rich had to go straight back to work. I didn't know how to breastfeed. It was, it was really hard. At, at yeah, at three weeks, at, when she was three weeks old, I was at my lowest ebb. I was really, really struggling yeah. and was just crying all day, every day, and she was crying <laughs> all day, every day, and it was it was hell yeah, on earth. It's the same um, with me, my friend. But, but then, yeah, just, just not knowing yeah. what you're doing is just so hard. Um, and then my parents uh, came over and um, things got better and it was all, all fine. But I really struggled to bond with her and get through that first time, first sort of few yeah. weeks. But then second time around, we were living in Australia and um, totally different child who slept a lot. Yeah. And um, I, I think a lot of it was because I was much calmer. Um, and knew what what was I cooked enough meals for three weeks were in the in the freezer for me because I was our our state and affects our kids yeah yeah I completely I I mean definitely yeah (laughs) yeah 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 no I remember I was she must have been five days old and I was breastfeeding and Rich just brought me a really strong vodka and orange. He said, just drink that. You Seriously, you need to just chill out. You are so worked up. <laughs> he said, some of it might go through the milk, but it doesn't matter. You both just, just need to chill <laughs> to survive. Yeah. Anyway, she survived. I survived. It was all good. <laughs> and how old are they now? They're in their teens, aren't they? They're like 14 and yeah, so 16-year-old and yeah. 14. They just had their birthdays. Oh, you're almost so. – I'd love to say you're almost done, but, yeah, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember when – I remember seeing older uh, parents of older kids when I when mine were little and they said, you know, the teen years are harder. You, you've you got to spend more time with them. They take up more time and stuff when they're older. And I – I can I can see that now. It's not the physical having to bath them or feed them yeah. or do, but you it's the you have emotional, to be psychological. There. Yeah, 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 and that you think 
that you're not needed. So you start doing something else and then suddenly, no, you need to drop everything. And they're constantly telling you to pay off if they're anything like my wife. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't really want you to go. But at two in the morning. Yeah, two in the morning. Can you come and pick me up? Or no, not quite. Or, but um, yeah, it's exhausting. It's absolutely yeah, absolutely exhausting, and it just just, yeah. I know. I I couldn't imagine you're doing it with such a huge gap. Yeah, I've got got the two. I've got the nineteen suicidal one, and I've got the five year old um, never stops till she gets what she wants, graffitiing on everything in my house, including herself. Oh my god! I love god. it sometimes, and I like take her clothes off to have shower, and she's graffitied all over herself. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, well. sharpie sometimes. I'm like, oh my god! And she oh, does well. sharpie yeah, makeup, you know. so I can't get it off. For oh, oh, perfect. <laughs> I'm hoping for this particular kid, no, but um, uh, performing arts. I'm thinking Newtown performing yes. arts. She's performance, yep. entertainment, art, dancing, singing, music. Yep. She's all that stuff. She's um, outspoken and got all the diagnoses Brilliant. and all that. Um, but uh, yeah, focus <laughs> and uh, do what you're told. Conformity, yeah, that's not in her vocabulary. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And Brilliant. She'll go far. focus so much on conformity, don't they? Like, uh, but not that's, all that's schools, what they... I guess. But I, I think, especially in the suburbs, and 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 especially some, and it's just this particular school. Let's just keep it, you know. But the conformity yeah. is the number one priority, you know. Um, yeah, but it's like the schooling system in Singapore. It's all about they they set up the system when Singapore was going through sort of in the 60s and 70s, where it was mostly factory working, and so they wanted people to do really. Uh, to become robots, to become focused in one particular area. So kids that bombed out were told off and kids that excelled and stood out were also told off and brought back into line. They wanted this middle stream. And so the schooling over there just creates robots um, that it's very sort of uh, regimented and they're trying to now bring in creativity into it, but in a a a system that has been so... (laughs) Exactly. It's like now be creative. Time. <laughs> yes, everybody has to produce a painting. It will look like now this. Creativity. <laughs> I love some thinking, isn't it? It's, it's, it's just. It's yeah. That uh, that was one of the main reasons why I didn't want to stay in Singapore any longer. It's it's a amazing society, but um, it it's got some very weird, quirky things about it <laughs> and look, all countries the cultures are so yeah. different aren't they they just they just are you know yeah um okay yeah. tell me about this porsche renovation ah the porsche so uh, well there's a backstory yes there's a there's a backstory to the porsche that has to start i'm going giving a long yeah. story a uh, long answer to this but so we moved to australia when millie was uh, just before she turned two and I was 34, 35 weeks pregnant with Ben and I was exhausted and sitting on the couch and Rich just says, ah, uh, I've just seen, um, seen, he says really quietly under his breath, I've just seen a combi advertise. I'll be back in a bit. And he races out the door uh, and I'm like, oh, whatever, just sleeping <laughs> on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> About an, yeah. About an hour later, uh, down the side lane of the of the house, I hear this boom, 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 this combi coming down the lane, backfiring every uh, on every second cylinder. Um, and I'm like, oh, feck. we've got a combi now coming into our garage, and it was not registered, not roadworthy, um, and we I then had. Oh, Ben was late, so I had six, seven weeks before Ben was born. My nesting uh, consisted of ripping out the interior of this combi van, stripping it down to bare metal um, with a two-year-old in tow um, wow. and going, hey, this is really fun. And we we spent two and a half years doing it up and then travelled down to Tassie and, um, yeah, it was great, great fun and realised that we need projects in our lives. We need things to do. And so we then, uh, the next one was a, boat a 32 foot Beneteau on Pittwater it didn't need that much work the kids were five and three so we didn't do as much on it It was just more exhausting at that point in our lives um and then but then we moved on from that and bought a boat in the med a 35 year old boat 
uh, that we restored and um, did a lot of work to and lived on board for 18 months with the kids, um, boat schooled oh them for three that. summers in, in the home school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then um, came back here and with the kids being teenagers and lockdown and COVID, we couldn't do as much, couldn't go to the boat as much. Um, and so Rich was just strolling uh, scrolling through scrolling that's the word scrolling through um different uh Porsche ads and I had no idea about this but he he doesn't watch porn he just looks at old projects as as his cars <laughs> are, so, are his cars porn. boats <laughs> yeah exactly boats cars motorbike anything so um then he said oh, I've seen this I've seen this car and and it'd be a really good project to do and it was in uh, California we hadn't seen it uh, called up the guy who happened to be a New Zealander um, and he said yeah it's a good car it's, there's no rust but the engine doesn't run um, and it's I think it's got most of the parts in there but it, yeah you know it's 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 <laughs> no a project guarantees. car yeah no guarantees anyway we're like ah, all right well we need a project so shipped it to Australia put it in a container um, three oh, months God. later this is must have been late in the late 2020 in so um in COVID times and yeah the car rocked up and we've just slowly restored it and I've watched it's, on Instagram like it would be my personal nightmare okay <laughs> like because I'm not details <laughs> I can't stand it and I was watching the wiring and I thought there must have been kilometers of wiring <laughs> so we stripped it open we took the engine out and took some of the wiring out we went oh my god it must have been either well probably squirrels had been living in it and every bit of engine tin like you, the, the engine's covered in several layers of tin and then it's got cylinders and also so you take each layer off and each layer there were still pine needles <laughs> underneath and then we take off another layer and then there was more poo and pine needles and stuff and inside the engine itself there was just rubbish and so we pulled all of it out but they obviously fed on the pvc sheaths on all the wires so they just either rats or something had gnawed through every single wire in the car um and it and it was a rat's nest <laughs> of wiring um and it was so there was coloring they were color coded but we'd find a green wire and then we'd sign three or four green wires that had been chewed at one end and we'd find three or four on the other side and we're like oh, which one's to which and- <laughs> it just makes me laugh so much because just people are so different but it's just like for me the first piece of poo i'd be out that's it <laughs> i gotta wash my hands oh, no. i gotta have a shower i can't handle this <laughs> The worst bit was we – so it failed quarantine check twice uh, and we were like, it can't be that bad. They'd fumigated it several times. But we were pulling out some of the carpet and this bug came out and it was a cross between a rat and a cockroach or a hamster. It had like furry hamster legs but then a cockroach body. Uh, it was just disgusting. And we're like – I mean, uh, fascinating at the same this time. Is, I mean, I would yeah, want to take a photo is an and run at the same time. <laughs> well, we squatted, uh, like totally obliterated it, squished it, it exploded uh, on, on the floor of the garage. Uh, so then the photo of it look, didn't yeah, look so good because it yeah, just was yeah. a smushed. I mean, I suppose we didn't really want to advertise it too much that we'd possibly imported a foreign species <laughs> of insect into the country. <laughs> <laughs> Please had not let it have bread. Yeah. Anyway, so it, it there was only one of them, um, but yeah, there were pecans under every bit of carpet and poo uh, under every bit of carpet and every, in the seat and um, yeah, it was good for oh the electric the electrical stuff. It didn't we didn't have a diagram, so there were old schematics to put them in. We didn't have the diagram for that particular car. They only made two thousand of these cars. And we had a diagram from a similar car, but didn't, and, and a diagram from a 911S. So, and a, anyway, it was a 912E. We didn't have the actual wiring diagram for this car. So we would be looking for bits on the diagram, look, find that wire and go, oh, no, that one's not used in this car. Like it was, it was like trying to do a puzzle yeah. with 
the box from two different puzzles <laughs> that were similar but not quite the same and then we had a couple of extra puzzle pieces as, and some So you like a challenge. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, it's it's on the road now and it's drivable and wow. um I think I'm I'm most happy with learning how to do leather upholstery. We bought four cows worth of leather four and cows um, sacrifice their lives but and it's the opposite drive. Yes, isn't sorry. It? It's the opposite hand. Yes, yes, it's a left hand, yeah, left hand drive. Um, and Millie's just got her L's, uh, and she's like, "Yeah, no, I'm your driver." I'm like, "No, no, you're not going to drive it ever." <laughs> Driving's hard she's enough, like, oh, sweetheart. Can, can I put L's on it? I said, "No, no, it's a it's a manual uh, with a really fiddly clutch. No, oh. you're not learning to drive on it." Um, but yeah, so we we finished it. Um, and now Rich is looking and he goes, how about this one? It's the next project. I'm like, no, not yet. <laughs> Let us fully Do finish this one first. Rich is maybe a candidate for ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm starting to actually, think I am. pretty focused. <laughs> this constant I, looking for, you know, I'm up in the middle of the night yeah, he can't. and stuff and I'm like, this is not normal. Yeah, when... Neither he watches television sometimes, maybe an hour or two a week. I don't watch television, so we just need, yeah. Or no, actually, it it stops me thinking. And I love. I have project. I'm designing in my head. I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm designing. I'm always designing yeah. stuff in my head. Um, and so if I watch TV, it stops me doing that. And so I actually really enjoy designing and finishing. It's funny, isn't? So. I, if I watch the same TV shows that I've watched a million times. That calms me down. Mm. So I've watched Forensic Files and Dr. G Medical Examiner <laughs> a million times. Right? Because as soon as I hear it, I know the whole story and I can chill out. But if it's something new, wow. like there's, there's this new brilliant show called The Patient, um, but, but only two yeah. episodes have been released. I didn't realise that when I started watching it because I was thinking this is like going to be my afternoon, you know, and two episodes, oh, no, yeah. not that another one till Tuesday. <laughs> Yeah, um, and that's dumb. yeah, no, I yeah. couldn't cope with that. I'll often watch something and it'll like I can't. It'll make oh, that's a great idea. Pause and off I go. You know, and and it's like it's stimulating. Yeah, see, I can't do that. I can't. I can't pause it. I'm so sucked into it, so nothing else goes on in my brain when I'm watching TV. It, well, even if it's crap, like the kids will be watching something stupid, and I'll just walk past the room and I'm just sucked in, and I'll stand there like a zombie for. And Mum Millie's like, Mom. You haven't moved in 20 minutes. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah, that's right. I was walking upstairs. Me. I, I will to write a song or like I'll hear a tune and I'll be like, oh, that could be it. Pause. It's got to go to the piano. Like, I got just. That's I mean, awesome. In a way. That's but so it's, good you know, to do it's a that. Bit, I've been starting to think and I was speaking to someone in a podcast, like, but I think I think maybe I'm an undiagnosed ADHD person. And I rang my yeah. mum before she got her dementia um, and she said the school told us that in 1988 and I told them to fuck off. <laughs> I was like, wow, oh. so maybe it's true. <laughs> so I think yeah. maybe I'm going to investigate that. Anyway. Yeah, well, I've just been – so the kids keep on joking saying, oh, mum, you're on the spectrum, and I'm like – well, actually, thinking about it, and so I did a um, the adult sort of quiz thing, and you've got a, a score above thirty two says that you're pretty much on the spectrum, and and I got twenty nine. I'm like, oh, so I have significant autistic traits, <laughs> uh, and I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's why I do things. I'm so specific and so intense on things, and I get pretty anxious in social and situations. I, oh yeah, that all makes sense. Only that's starting really cool. to understand neurodiversity. If, if you know you know what I mean, like yeah. we're only starting to. I, I think we've only got a few little categories at the moment, but there's a. Yeah, I'm definitely neurodiverse. Like I have recognised that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like. But it used to be such a negative connotation yeah. with it. It was not. Um, whereas now it's like, yeah, no, this is really cool. Actually, yes, I am. Yep, yep. I don't deal with. I don't focus and uh, respond to things the same way as other people. And that's, and that's really cool because it helps that was me terrible do things. In primary and school it's wonderful because and I remember like specifically because yeah. I would hear an instruction and everybody else would do one thing yeah. and I would do something else and in my head <laughs> I would really be going, oh my god, look at these idiots. They'll figure it out soon. Yeah, <laughs> like I really believed I was right. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I think that's what I'm loving this age now because I 
I've just realized that I am who I am and I can be happy. Yeah. Just, I, I, I think I'm much more forgiving yeah. to myself now. Um, and, and when I make mistakes, I used to beat myself up and be embarrassed and hold on to it for yeah. ages. And now I'm like, I, I did it. I got to move yeah. on now. It's too, it, life's too short to hold 100%. on to that And shit. I think one of the most beautiful things about yeah. forgiving yourself and having compassion for yourself is you actually can have it for others. I never saw that connection yes. before. You know, I was, you know, you're judging in others because you're judging in yourself and you're holding others to these standards. Yeah. And I used to think I don't hold others to these standards. It's only me. But that was a lie I was telling myself. You know, I was actually judging yeah. other people when they weren't, you know, putting in the effort that I would put in, you know, and I wasn't able yes. to have compassion for others until I could have it for myself. So it is a beautiful age. Yeah. It's it's amazing to recognise that now and go, oh, okay. Or I saw a therapist once who said, imagine yourself as a, as a small child. Would you be as mean yes. to that small child as you yes. are to yourself in your head? And, um, and then... <laughs> Yeah, I, there's no way I would do that. And so it's about going, okay, stop stop beating myself yeah. up. Stop. Yeah, only recently Just, I've okay. noticed that too. And I hear myself start to do it and I'm like, oh, isn't that interesting? Because you would never say that yeah. to your daughter, you know, but you, yes, that's what you're about exactly. to say to yourself. Isn't that interesting? We'll just let those thoughts sit over there for a while because – yeah. And then you come back and do it anyway and, and ram it and even twice as hard and then you and for a few days and then go, oh, okay, 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 okay. Need to come out. Yeah, exactly. And then, oh, and then you've got in a household at the moment, we've got puberty and perimenopause and it's just such a wonderful mix of hormones to go together. <laughs> life, isn't it? Like I had no idea that life oh. was. I don't know. I think it's another fantasy versus reality clash. Like when I was little, I imagined my adult life would be, I, you know, all the things I imagined, they don't exist, you know. They just don't exist, no. you know. No. Um, I, it's, it's actually some of the small victories without realising that small things in life can bring you just as much pleasure and just as much to pinch yourself moments of going, mm. Wow, isn't that amazing? The wattle blossoms have come out and they look beautiful yeah. and I'm here and I can see it and my heart's not racing and I and I uh, I just had a really yummy meal and I can just walk and just appreciating small things can actually give you just as much wonder and and, and, and that's a pleasure. difficult thing. I mean it shouldn't be, but oh. to be present and appreciate the beautiful little yeah. things that you have in your moment right now. Such a pleasure to talk to Heather and um, we had to re-record this because the first time we did it face to face it was one of those really rainy days and it sounded like we were underwater when I was editing so I'm so grateful to you Heather for re-recording with me on Riverside I really appreciate it thank you so much